Happy Sabbath and welcome to the Middle East University worship experience, our church gathering on another Sabbath day. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I want to ask the question, how is it that trials and trouble uh, that comes in our life can um, actually increase our hope and our confidence in, in, in Jesus? And um, as we do, I want to come again to the passage of Scripture that uh, has already been read here in Romans chapter 5. And I invite you to open your Bible uh, with me here in um, Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 5. And this is how it reads. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, as we come to this familiar passage of the book of Romans, we pray for the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit and the, the infilling of your love as the passage refers to that yes, indeed, we have been um, introduced to grace and we stand in grace. And today we would understand again how the problems and trials and the difficulties that we experience in life, um, the testing uh, can actually increase our hope in you. Thank you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but we have um, been hearing a lot, at least uh, here in Lebanon, we've been hearing a lot about testing. And if you tune into the news uh, in the United States, you hear a lot about testing also. And uh, that is rapid testing. This has to do with the COVID-19 uh, testing. There is the PCR, which is polymerase uh, chain reaction testing. There is antigen testing or uh, testing that has to do with um, uh, looking for uh, whether or not a person has um, antigens for um, uh, the, the, the um, virus. Um, this morning I went to the bank and I had my temperature taken before I could enter the bank. Of course, I had to have my hands sanitized and I had to be wearing a mask also. So there are the temperature tests. And um, then there are the tests at the store and the, the tests at the workplace and um, all kinds of tests. Um, for just a moment, I want us to think about this PCR test, this um, pandemic COVID-19 test. You know these air, air cleaners, uh, these little uh, sticks with the cotton on either side. Well, imagine one that's maybe seven or eight inches long and has a big swab of cotton on the end of it. 
And imagine that being um, uh, moved up your nose. Uh, this, is a, this is a unique experience. Uh, think about it with me for a few moments. Um, the, the long um, swab is held out. Your, your head is cocked back to a 70 degrees. And then that uh, swab is inserted into your nose. And this is what uh, I was reminded. I had forgotten a little bit about my anatomy. Uh, I was reminded that um, uh, there is a, um, a sinus cavity that is parallel to your palate. And so they don't stick this up your nose. They stick it into your nose and parallel to your palate all the way back. And the distance that that, that, that test goes is the distance between your nostril and the, where your ou outer ear begins. So I want you to imagine that that um, PCR test has gone into your nostrils, into your sinus cavities that far. Then I want you to, to imagine that it's been twisted around three or four times, and then it is pulled out, and then it is stuck into the other's nostril and done again. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me queasy. That's the kind of test I don't want. Give me the antigen test. The antigen test is just a little prick of, uh, of your finger, a little bit of blood, and they'll be able to, to uh, check your blood. Now, now, that's a whole lot easier. That's, that's less invasive, uh, so to speak and um, maybe doesn't uh, churn the stomach in the same way. But both tests have the same um, existential uh, dimension to them. And that is, um, well, um, I'm being tested for COVID-19. Um, what is the test gonna say? Is it going to be positive or is it going to be negative? And of course, if it's positive, then uh, that means a whole bunch of other problems. But I suggest to you that um, given all the kinds of tests that we are uh, hearing about in the news these days, and all the kinds of tests that will continue to be happening in our, in our planet for the next year or so, there is one more test that I observe that every one of us will take. Now, I talked to somebody yesterday on the phone that said, hey, look, they're doing um, the um, uh, testing for free, and they can test whether you have it or whether you have had it. And he says, I'm going to go down and get the test done for free uh, just to see whether I have it or not. Most of us are not going to want to go through a test uh, for the sake of just knowing what we have or what we don't have, because tests have a way of stirring our emotions in ways that we don't normally um, uh, like. But there is one more test, one more test that um, most of us, well, actually all of us uh, need to take. It's the most pervasive and the unsettling test that we will ever have. And that is the test of character. The the reality that we need to have our character tested. And um, you ask the question, well, what do you mean by having my 
my character tested. And what does this have to do with COVID-19 or the pandemic? Uh, did you just want to get my interest over this uh, swab that goes six inches into your into your uh, uh, nasal um, um, part of your body? Well, let me just uh, mention a couple things. Lebanon has had um, has repatriated a, a, a large number of Lebanese citizens. The fact of the matter is, is some of those Lebanese citizens that have come back um, and have been told to self-quarantine have uh, totally dismissed uh, that directive and have gone on to just live life and enjoy and interact with anybody that they want to, and they have wound up infecting a whole community. Let me take you to the U.S. Uh, a woman enters a dollar store, which is like the, 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 the low-cost um, stores that we find down in Burj Hamoud here in, in, in Lebanon. A woman enters a um, dollar store in the U.S., in, in uh, I think it was Michigan, and uh, she's looking around to buy something, and the security guard comes and says, Ma'am, I don't see that you have a mask on today. And um, anyway, they have it back and forth, and, and she refuses to get a mask, even, even um, uh, put one on. And um, he tells the clerk at the counter, uh, please don't uh, service uh, this, this lady. So she leaves in a huff. About 20 minutes later, her husband shows back up at the dollar store, pulls out a gun, and shoots um, the security guard dead. Well, um, you could go to uh, a, a McDonald's also in um, the United States uh, where uh, the, the, the clerk behind the counter um, was telling a lady to uh, properly social distance in the, in the restaurant only to have that lady pull out a gun and shoot three of the the workers there at that um, um, McDonald's. Well, let's return again to uh, Lebanon. And um, just last week, I was at Carrefour uh, supermarket and I was getting ready to check out and I overheard a commotion and I saw about 10 people pushing one other person, a customer, out of the store and there was a lot of yelling and it was all in Arabic and I didn't understand what it was all going on but I did under I did come to understand that the guy refused to have his temperature taken he did not have gloves on and he did not have a mask on and he snuck into the store uh, and he was seen and the yelling and the the altercation continued to go on for a good half hour while I stood in line to check out. And then the same day, the same day, I won't go into all the details, but um, I um, had a, an altercation, if you want to call it, with um, a citizen here in this country where I'm working. And um, they wound up kicking uh, my, my car door 
and literally breaking and kicking the, the rear view mirror off uh, the passenger side of my car. And um, it was not a very good um, exchange. And uh, I guess what I'm saying is character is unfolding in who we are and our responses to things is become more evident and clearly defined the longer the pandemic that we happen to be in right now uh, grips our, our global uh, community. You can see people becoming angry. You can see people becoming frustrated. You uh, see criticism. You see all kinds of things. And these are character matters. And when it comes to the flow of life that we have taking place right now, it's not just to see whether or not you have COVID virus, but the deeper issue to see what is your character and who are you really. You know that the whole premise of testing and uh, tracking and testing uh, and tracing things is that data can protect us. Data can enable us. Data can help us. Data can help us make good choices to be men and women of character when we are under pressure. And the kind of world in which we are in right now has increased that pressure. The fact that we have to stay at home, we have our children at home, we can't go to work, we're losing our, our income, we've lost our job, uh, we've lost a loved one. We can go down the list of all the kinds of things that are pressing in on us right now that in, in reality are testing us. And they are testing us in a more real way, a more surreal way than shoving a swab, a cotton swab uh, through our sinus cavity. And that is the testing of our character. Our U.S. president implied that there is a problem with testing. I hate to say this, but um, he implied, and I listened to him say it, that if there were less tests, there would be less incidences of COVID virus. As if the testing produced the virus. So that is a very interesting um, take on the problem with testing. But as I've already said, the whole premise of testing is not to put us down, but to protect and to enable and to help. The reality of life's problems that we experience today is that the testing of character actually increases with each problem and each trial that we have. So we could say, okay, I'm not gonna test for COVID virus, but in, the, in making that statement, you are in essence saying something about your own character, your own character, your own thinking, your own attitudes, are now becoming formalized and focused and tested in a powerful way. There is no getting around moral accountability when uh, we experience the problems and trials of life. And there is no getting around the moral accountability that we face together as a global community right now in relation to a pandemic 
that um, makes people sick and kills people, uh, and kills people in a very terrible and lonely way, very painful way. There's no getting around the moral account accountability. Even if you choose not to be transparent and check yourself, or you want to dismiss testing, even in that process, your character and your choices that you make under pressure are a significant test, a significant frame of reference for determining who you really are. In Testimonies to the Church, uh, volume 4, page 85, we read these words, God would have his servants, that's you and me, become acquainted with the moral machinery of our own hearts. So we are to become acquainted with the moral machinery of our own hearts. In other words, how is it that we are deep down inside in the realm of what we call character, our thinking, our feelings, our emotions, and so forth? How do we do that? How do we become acquainted with the moral machinery of our own heart? Well, I suggest to you that that happens through problems and trials and when we are forced to make decisions under pressure. And our text here today, in verse 4, if you remember here, it says in verse 4 that uh, perseverance or endurance uh, develops proven character. Proven character. All right? And proven character brings hope. So here you have a trajectory. Trials, endurance or perseverance, proven character, and then hope. That's the trajectory of the passage that we're reading uh, here this, this afternoon. And the word for character, um, it's not the, the, the same uh, word that you and I would use, character. Where do you find character in the New Testament or in the, 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 the Greek New Testament. The, the, the word is uh, dokumen, which means something that is proven by a trial. That is what is interpreted by English translators and other uh, language translators as character, something that is proven by trial. So, how do we come to know the moral machinery of our own heart? It is through trials. It is through the difficulties. It is through the challenges and the um, situations that we find ourselves in that are uncomfortable, that we don't like. I don't like having to be told that I can't leave campus, or I don't like being told that I can't enter campus. I don't like being told that I have to wear a mask. I don't like being told that I have to do this or I have to do that. And we have all these things and they, they raise up from within us something about ourselves that reveals who we are deep down inside. And these difficulties develop character. Character is something that is proven by trial. Character has three dimensions to it. Character is our core. It is what we are deep down inside in our inner private world. It is who we are. Character is not only our core, but character is a consistency. 
a consistent core, a consistent core. It's not the occasional good deed or bad deed. It's not the occasional wonderful thing we do or dreadful thing we do, but it's the tendency, it's the habits of the heart, it's the direction of our life, it's the cumulative um, uh, decisions that are going in a certain direction in terms of attitudes and behaviors and choices. That is consistency. But character also has one other dimension to it, and that is cost. Character always comes as a at a cost. There is always a cost to character. You don't know who you are until you are tested. And when you are tested, then you really begin to know who you are and uh, what that means. Someone has said that uh, individuals have three characters. There is the character that um, they, they say they have. There is the character that um, they, they think they have. And then there's the character that they really have. And so I can present myself to the world around in one way um, but, and think that I'm a certain way, but in reality, I might be totally different. And the only way that I can know for sure that what I think about myself and what I present to others about myself is consistent and it is accurate is for me to experience some difficulties in challenges of life, and as I'm suggesting in uh, our study of Romans here this, this, uh, in this text today, that um, the global pandemic, and we can add to that global pandemic here in the country of Lebanon, Lebanon the socio-economic and political situation in which the average income has lost 60% of its buying power, and the, the um, Lebanese pound is in a free fall right now. Can you imagine the feelings, the frustration, the anger, um, um, all the impact that these, this kind of trial and problems and difficulties can bring to um, ourselves? So our text, our text um, gives us this trajectory that uh, difficulties create perseverance and perseverance creates uh, proven character and proven character then brings hope. And we will come in a few moments to understand uh, how that, that, that happens. But I invite us, for those of us that live here in Lebanon, to think of those, those thousand-year-old famous uh, cedars of Lebanon, some of them pushing almost 3,000 years old. When you look at those trees, you see that they are windswept. You see that uh, they have weathered um, six to eight uh, feet of snow in the wintertime and high winds and they have been tested and buffeted back and forth and they have, they have endured through the ages. And I suggest to you today that um, character, proven character, 
are like is like those great cedars of Lebanon that are windswept and that have endured for so long a time. Now, I read an interesting story the other day. I hesitated to share it, but um, I, I share it anyway. Um, uh, Enbara uh, Salam, who writes for CNN uh, Traveler, wrote a piece about uh, a, a trip that she and her boyfriend made to um, a little town near uh, Stuttgart, Germany. This was about 10 years ago that this happened. She, uh, they, they went to this little town and this little town had a, a, um, a community spa. And I want you to imagine a, a big community uh, swimming pool. And then there were some uh, sauna and a spa that was connected to the, to the um, swimming pool. And I want you to imagine that they're, they're floating around in the water and enjoying life and the swimming. And uh, then there is a lunch appointment that they have to get to. And um, she runs off uh, to, to change, uh, to shower and to change. And uh, oh, I forgot to tell you that um, in this community and in some places in Europe, um, the spas, um, you do wear uh, a swimming suit when you're in the, the, the pool swimming. But when you go into the sauna, uh, you wear your birthday suit, all right? You go natural. You wear your birthday suit. So anyway, she, she, she runs into the, to, to, to take a shower and, and um, get cleaned up to head off for this uh, lunch appointment. And she says, no, I'm going to take me a sauna real quick. And so she grabs a face towel. That's all she had, a face towel. And she's, she runs down a hall. And she grabs this, this, um, this wooden door and she opens the sauna and goes to step in only to see a room full of men uh, in their birthday suits sitting in the sauna. And so suddenly she's shocked and she steps back and closes the door. And now she's, she's disoriented and she thinks to herself, well, the, the lady's sauna has to be around here somewhere. And so she, she uh, races down the hallway through uh, an opening and finds two doors. And she grabs one of those doors and enters that door, thinking it's the, the women's sauna. And the door closes behind her. And she finds herself in a fire exit escape stairwell. And she can't. She pounds on the door because the door is locked behind her. And I, again, she's in her birthday suit. Um, she only has a, a, a face towel in her hand. And uh, what to do? Well, she pounds on that door. Help, 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 help. No answer. So she starts going down the, the fire exit. And um, it's kind of dark. It's not well lighted. But she goes down and she finds herself in a mechanical room, uh, some kind of a utility room. And then um, she doesn't know how to get out. And she's walking around the machinery and stuff, and she's calling out for help. She finally sees an elevator, a service elevator. She gets into the service elevator. She pushes some buttons and goes up and down and doesn't know how to get out. So she starts yelling into the, the um, 
video camera in the elevator. And then the elevator comes down to the bottom. It opens up. And now she's met by a fully dressed male who is there to help her out of the elevator. So what is surprising to me is that um, he didn't bring a jacket. He didn't bring a, a, a um, blanket. He just led her to a door, opened the door, and next thing you know, the two of them are out on the street, out on the street. And they walk up the block and around the corner to the entrance to the spa where there is at least 100 people standing in line to get in. Well, they all let her move to the, the front of the line. And there, when they, uh, she met the individuals at the door, they asked her for her ID. Now, that is a crazy story. Very crazy story. I want you to, th to think with me for just a few moments. This woman was really naked physically. She was naked in her imagination. She was naked in her consciousness. And she was naked before others. And she was thoroughly embarrassed. What we do or what we say in moments of difficulty reveal who we really are. And all of our choices and our attitudes, the things that we say in private, the things we say in, in public, our actions, they all have a way of denuding us. They all have a way of stripping away all of our clothing and revealing who we really are. Now, there's another CNN article by Michael D'Antonio. And the title of this article is, On Memorial Day Weekend, Trump Shows His True Self. Now, that was interesting. I had to read that one also. And uh, basically, on, on um, Memorial Day, um, uh, our, our president spent the day writing tweet, uh, tweets. And um, he said some very nasty things very ugly things, very unbecoming things, things that I would not want to ever say, things that I wouldn't want any of the leaders around me to ever say about me or to do, things that I wouldn't want my children to hear. And so the title on Memorial Day weekend, Trump shows his true self. And this is my point, that difficulties and trials and how we are relating even during a time of pandemic where we are enclosed in self-isolation and we are restricted by the government. We're restricted by our, our employ, uh, employer. We might be restricted by a campus, whoever that, we, that might be or whatever that might be. We are revealing our true self in the way in which we respond. And we may think that our character is a certain way, but in, indeed our attitudes and what we say and how we act and how we respond and how we cooperate or not cooperate says something powerfully about ourselves 
in who we are. And um, they have a way of denuding us. You know, years ago, I trashed a $900 uh, Hewlett-Packard uh, Hewlett uh, laser printer. That's right, I paid $900 for that um, the big printer. It could hold 500 uh, sheets of paper, a whole ream of paper, and it was beautiful machine and uh, served me well. And I one day I just took it and pulled it off the desk that it was on. I threw it onto the ground and I kicked it a few times. Well, let me explain. Um, I was a senior pastor of a large congregation and there were some difficulties in the church. Some of the difficulties resolved around um, one of my associates whom I loved and whom I respected very much. And things that were said and done were not fair. They were not right. They were not even Christian. They were not even Christian. And I was limited in what I could say or do. And not only was I watching this man's ministry being destroyed, but I was watching his, his marriage dissolve as well because of the intense pressures and brokenness. And so there was a lot of things that were pent up inside of me, I guess, and my printer needed cleaning. And so my printer, uh, when I went to print something, um, two pages may might come out, and then the third page would jam. And then I'd have to open up the printer, pull out the sheet of paper, reset everything, and then uh, print some more paper. And that probably happened about six or seven times that day while I was working on a deadline to get a project done. And I guess when that paper jammed the eighth time, I guess I lost it. I picked that printer up, that $900 printer, threw it across the room, kicked it a few times, and I sat down on the carpet and bawled my eyes out over the hurt, the sorrow, the brokenness, the tragedy, the pressure. I was suddenly naked to myself. And when Kathy came down the steps to see what was going on, I was suddenly unclothed in her presence also. I've kept the, I've kept the keypad for that printer. I have it to this day to remind me that I have limits. I I was able to modulate myself pretty much during those intense times. 
But I realized that day that um, uh, I had some limits. And that was an incredibly vulnerable day for me. And I wondered about the day in which the guy kicked my car door, tried to smash my window, literally kicked my rear view mirror off of my car. I've asked myself a couple times since, what could have I done different? What could have I done better? Was I who I needed to be at that moment of trial for him as well as for myself? So when Ellen White says God would have his servants become acquainted with the moral machinery of their own hearts, only trials, only trials open us to ourselves and who we really might be. And I, I ask right now, I don't know what kind of trials you might be having, what, my, what kind of problems you might be facing, what kind of tribulations that you might be facing. Paul isn't talking about trials that are faith-related here, although all trials ultimately are faith-related. He's talking about trials in, as a principle and a challenge and a process and the impact that they have on our lives. And he gives us that trajectory. Trials produce endurance. They toughen us up. And that toughening up over a period of time produces a proven, tried character. And that proven, tried character develops hope gives hope and assurance. Only trials can do that. But in order for trials to do that, we need to be willing to be honest about ourselves in the setting of those trials, in the context of those trials and those limitations and being honest with ourselves in terms of who we really are and what is really going on in our minds what are we saying about people? What are we feeling about them? Am I consistent on the outside with what I am inside? Am I putting on a show? If, if my clothes could be stripped off, if I was denuded by some situation of life, what would people really see or who would people really see that I am? This is what character is all about. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And so I ask the question now, as we come to a, a close, how do troubles spark hope? How, do tr how does do troubles spark hope? Our passage begins with three three consequences or three results of the righteousness 
that we have in Jesus. Therefore, um, um, we have being justified by, by grace through Jesus Christ. We have peace, number one. We have access to grace, number two. And we have hope. And then following that discussion of hope is a whole discussion about trials and difficulties. And then it brings us back to hope. It's as if hope is bracketed by the reality of, of the problems and the, the disturbances and the tribulations and the suffering and the hurt and the upset things of life. The reality is, is that hope is strengthened uh, by the chain of, of, of effects that occurs when troubles strike. Because when troubles strike, we can be on a trajectory of, of learning endurance and then, then developing proven character and then hope. That is the trajectory. That is the, the chain of, of effects that we can follow. And we are encouraged to follow through the grace and the empowerment of, of Jesus Christ. So I ask the question, what is it about proven character that strengthens hope, that brings hope? Let me say it this way, just briefly, that it has to do with God accomplishing something tangible in our lives. And what he is accomplishing that is very tangible in our lives is our character, our attitudes, our responses, our values, our choices, our actions, what we say about people to their face and what we say about people behind their face, what we say uh, when we are among um, uh, friends, what we talk about, what we do when we are in private, what will we do in our home, how we treat um, our family, our spouse, our children, what um, the world around us may not see, but we see, our, those who are closest to us see. These are all matters of conscience, of, of character. And the fact of the matter is, is that the trials and the difficulties, the brokenness of life that we experience enable us to develop character. And as our character develops, it gives us the assurance that the grace that we are standing in, the Holy Spirit that God has given us, is actually accomplishing something in our lives. And that gives us the confidence that Jesus will complete what he has begun in our life as well. In chapter 8 of, of Romans, by the way, our text tells us here that the trajectory is, is trials, perseverance, proven character, and then hope. And then it says, and hope does not disappoint. Because, why? The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So this hope that this passage is talking about in relationship to trials is linked to God's pouring of his love into our hearts and giving us 
his Holy Spirit. In chapter 8, we read that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, and then Paul lists a whole bunch of trials that we can experience in life. Nothing can separate us from God's love. That same chapter goes on to talk in depth about how the Holy Spirit um, helps us and comes into our hearts and empowers us to live like Jesus in the world. This is where hope comes from. And as we see these things happening and, and developing in our life, that gives us confidence and assurance, not in ourselves, but, but confidence and assurance that God loves us, confidence and assurance that the Holy Spirit indeed is at work and the Holy Spirit indeed is doing something powerful in our lives. And chapter 8, by the way, is that chapter that has that famous verse that we quote a lot, that says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. We often think of that in terms of circumstances and situations of life. We have problems and we want to get our way through these problems. And we know that God will work these problems ultimately for our good. I want us to understand that in the book of Romans, that those things that work together for good to those who love God include the development of proven character. It includes strength of character. It includes strengthening us deep down inside that we become more and more like Jesus. Years ago, I was visiting in the hospital. One of my senior citizen members, his name was Fritz Oster. Fritz Oster was um, a craftsman. Uh, uh, he could make anything out of wood. I learned so much from Fritz, uh, just watching him, observing him, working at my house, building things. He had an angiogram. You know, that's when they, they um, they make an incision in your, your, your leg and they, they fish a catheter up through uh, your groin and up into your heart. They, you've, you've put some, they've put some dye into your, your blood and so they can trace it. They can see it all on camera. And uh, most of the people that I ever visited in the hospital who had an angiograms were pretty exhausted and pretty whipped um, when it was all over. And they were pretty uh, uh, anxious about themselves um, and the whole process before it, it, it even happened. So imagine me walking into his room, the room of a senior citizen. I expected him to be wasted, laying on the bed, exhausted. Um, but I found him sitting on the edge of his bed. And when I walked in, he smiled at me and said, Oh, Pastor Larry. And he had a big grin on his face. I said, Fritz, what's going on? He says, you will never uh, believe what I saw. And I said, what was that? He says, I saw my heart. Yes, he was able to look over at the screen and watch the catheter fish its way up through uh, from his groin through the aortas into um, his heart. And he was excited. He could see his heart. 
And I think they gave him a little stint and he went home, but he was happy. And I left his hospital room that night walking down the hall and I was saying to myself, oh my, oh my, what would it be like to see my own heart? Not my physical heart, not on a, a monitor screen, but my moral, spiritual, internal self. What would it be like to see myself as I really am deep down inside? Ellen White says that that God would have his servants know the moral machinery of their own hearts. That comes, brothers and sisters, it comes with trials. It comes with pressures. It comes with problems. It comes with difficulties. It comes with the kinds of things that press us to the wall that we don't like, that force us to do this and do that, which is not good often, but put us in a place where we need to confront ourselves and what the grace and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ would do, can do, and will do. And when we open our hearts to his work in our life, we open our hearts to his vision of what we can become through his grace. And we experience it. We begin to experience it. That gives us hope. Hope that all that he has said about forgiveness, all that he has said about cleansing, all that he has said about renewal is true. And it's at work. It's at work in my life. And I can rejoice. And I can be assured that although I'm not perfect, I'm on that trajectory where I am being more and more proven. And as I am, my hope in Jesus strengthens. God bless you. I don't know what kind of issues you're dealing with in life. I don't know what's pressing you to the wall. I don't know what kind of problems trials, burdens, suffering, hurt, disappointments. I don't know what you are experiencing. But I can tell you, because you stand in, in grace as a believer in Jesus Christ and you're covered by his blood, these trials can toughen you up. These trials, through the grace of God, the power of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, these trials can develop proven character, your character. And somehow deep within, that the Apostle Paul hints at very powerfully, but we each of us need to, to experience for ourselves. Deep down inside, there will be the confidence, the assurance, the joy, the hope, because God is at work in our lives. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for these words about uh, challenges and trials and hurt and tribulations and how they relate to a trajectory that gives us hope and confidence in your presence and how it appears right here in a discussion about justification by faith. We're justified. You treat us as if we've not sinned. And yet we are broken sinners and our lives are in great need. And in the midst of that, you take us on a journey through your love poured out in our heart and through the Holy Spirit empowering us within. You take us on a journey and you want us to grow. Lord Jesus, whatever it is that we are experiencing, we count as a burden, as a trial in our life right now. May we look to you and find sweet assurance that you are at work within us, that you will help us, and that you will deepen our hope and our confidence of eternity through these very things. We pray them in Jesus' name, amen.